relationship. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We're in the midst of a series in the book of Genesis, which is all about beginnings. And as we think about beginnings, it's the beginning of each one of us. And particularly, as we celebrate ladies this morning, we get to hear the story of how each lady has come into being. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 2. And as, as you're doing that, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I want to read this passage together uh, as, uh, as, as we begin. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 18 and reading to the end of the chapter. Here we have the Lord God um, speaking. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field, But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made him into a woman. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. Not made him into a woman. (laughs) And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. You may be seated. This morning I want to talk about you complete us, and that's kind of stolen from a, a Tom Cruise line, you complete me. But as you think about that, Uh, The scripture is very plain that men needed women. And as you think about that, some people wonder just uh, about the order. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, as well as 1 Corinthians 11, it speaks about the order of creation. Man was first and then came woman. Well, why was that so? There are three or four options for that. Uh, One is, um, from one particular perspective, since in the ascending order of creation, if you've read the story, Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, things got better the farther God moved on his creation plan. And so in the sense of ascending order, that makes the woman the pinnacle of God's creation. That's one perspective. The other perspective is, in being made after man, she is an afterthought of God. Just kind of threw that in for free. And then the third option is, uh, if at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. So uh, women came out on the best part of that order of creation. But as you think about it, we, uh, we as men needed women to be brought into this world. Uh, in fact, if you think about that, in that very first verse it talks about that we read, is that it was not good for man to be alone. And it's interesting, as you think about the, the stages of life that men and women go through, uh, men usually die earlier because they can't be, what, alone. <laughs> they are a little bit deficient. We're, most of us are a little deficient on that line. Women, after, um, after we're gone, many of them can extend long periods of times, what, without us. And so uh, the men uh, really do have to be honest about that, that ladies do complete us. But this morning what I do is I just want to make some simple observations of the text and then maybe, uh, depending upon time, uh, draw out some other things as well. As we've been going through this series on beginnings, above all else, and we have sung about that in our worship already, is that God is, is, the, is the hero of the Bible. 
It's all about recognizing that God has placed all this into existence. And as we think about it, the only reason it's messed up a little bit is because we've messed it up. But as we think about God creating, He created it good, and when He got to men and women, man and, and woman, it was very good. And we want to see that this morning. But we want to celebrate all ladies as we uh, look at what God has to say. But men, we can listen up as well. Uh, first of all, I want to make this observation. God knows we could not live without you. Genesis 2.18 says this, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, what's interesting about that, sometimes when people look at that phrase, helper, they look at that as a, maybe a statement about the, the role of the woman as being deficient to the man. You know, like sometimes if you might have some people uh, working on your outside facilities or maybe on the inside of your home, say that's the hired help. And so some people might think that's related to the, the woman in the home. She might not be the hired help, but she's the married help, okay? She gets to do whatever the man doesn't want to do. But you need to understand, when God made that statement, he needed a, uh, that man needed a helper, that was not a demeaning term. That was an exalted term, because as you think about it, it is used of God himself. And there's a variety of ways we can look at that, and we'll just touch a few of them this morning. In fact, after I put the outline together, I just decided to look at additional references as it relates to uh, that place of help. But I want to begin with that 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 very practical point in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you look at Ecclesiastes, and uh, you might not be able to race to that real quickly, but Ecclesiastes chapter 4, uh, verses 9 through 12, this is a passage often used in marriage ceremonies, but it says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls." For he has no one to help him up. Now, if you've ever fallen, you've ever been in an accident, and you are in dependence of someone else coming to your aid, you don't see that person as a helper, as someone demeaning, someone lower than you. You see that person as your savior, as the one who rescues you. And as we see ladies, and we see God describing you as the helper, we see you as the one who rescues us, who saves us, who, who cleans up our mess that we, we make in and of our own. You are the one who picks us up when we fall. You are the one who encourages us when we need encouraging. And as you think about the whole married relationship, but even as you think about friendship relationship, it's having that person next to you, around you, that person you can call on, and now we say text and everything else, one you can connect with that's going to be there for you. But as we think about it a little bit further, uh, turn your Bibles to Psalms just for a moment. There's so many passages in Psalms that speaks about uh, the one who takes on that same role of being a helper. Psalm 33, verse 20 says this, Oh, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. So as we think about God giving the woman the label of being the help or the helper, it's the same phrase he uses for us to think about our Lord and our God. He is our help and our shield. Turn to Psalm 70, verse 5. As I like to say, this is all for free. It's not in your outline this morning. Psalm 70, verse 5. But I am poor and needy. Make haste to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. 
You know the saddest thing in the world uh, in terms of looking at people uh, and their journey through life is a person who needs help but refuses to what? Accept help. Uh, that, that is a person who, who is living in a, in a world that is not connected to reality. And of course, if that's true on a relational level between a man and a woman, even more so is it in relationship to us and God. Uh, the person who is a great fool is a person who is drowning and is not reached up to the lifeguard for help. And as we think about ourselves spiritually, we are drowning and he is the one who is our source of help. He is the one who is our deliverer. Uh, turn to uh, Psalm 115. All you life group leaders this week, you can relook at these passages as I'm sharing. Uh, Psalm 115, 9 through 11. The psalmist writes, O Israel, trust in the Lord. Why should you trust in the Lord? Because he is your help and your shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Turn to Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. This is one of those great passages that is worthy of your putting in memory. Uh, Psalm 121 speaks about, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Which brings us back to that whole theme of creation. As we look at creation, as we look at all the things that have made, it should not only bring us to a point of praise, but recognize He is the one who is the source of all our help. So as we think of the idea of of, uh, God's word to ladies and for men listening in, God knows we could not live without you because we need what? Help. So as you think about that, don't see yourself as the hired help. Don't see yourself as the married help. See yourself as the God-given help to someone who needs help. And as we think about that in relationship to the bigger picture, that speaks to us is that we need help from on high. We need help from the one who can meet our deepest need, who cleans up our mess better than anybody else. Because our sin separates us from God. You complete us, and of course, more than anything else. Interesting in the New Testament, it speaks about our relationship, about being in Christ. And you know how that is described, that when we're in Christ, we are made, what? Complete. And so in relationships, whether it's a married relationship or a friendship relationship, those are the, those are the connection points where God brings us to our point of need and our place of help. It begins with God, and then it begins on the horizontal level. Well, every relationship, and that's why we have life groups, which we do life together, and it fills up those holes in our life as we connect with each other and we connect with God. God knows we could not live without you. I think I've shared this many times in message. Mother Teresa is interesting. You know, she was the one who experienced uh, helping people at their point of greatest need. And the things that she would do on behalf of others in the variety of things that she experienced and saw with people in the greatest poverty and and physical need. You You know how she described, how she described the greatest pain that she observed in the world? She said this, the greatest pain I've ever seen is people who are all alone. 
And so as we think about God's word to us and throughout all those who have read this passage, it is not good for man to be alone. That we need to recognize that God made us in need of help. Help from him and from each other. Secondly, ladies, I want you to know not only can we not live without you, uh, there is nothing on this earth that even compares to you. And it's interesting about that. That's kind of the, this the, the story as it continues. And it's kind of remarkable how God just inserts it in here. He had already told us about uh, how he had already created the, the, the animal world, but he, he now brings it to Adam's attention. And it's not changing the order of Genesis chapter 1. It's just looking back and making uh, connection with Adam and his responsibility and also to emphasize him that just as we think about it, when we recognize that we need help, we can, we can find help in the wrong places. Have, have you ever experienced that? Oh, maybe, maybe you're lost and you, and you look for someone to give you directions. You find out the person who you ask for directions, they, they're more lost than you are and you get farther away than, rather than closer to your destination. And so, as he wanted to emphasize that the one he was going to be bringing into his life, maybe Adam didn't know it at this, at this point, this, this was the source of his help, not the other, other things that he had created. And so we have picked up in verse 19 this. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every, and you could actually translate that in the Hebrew, had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. And so Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And so as we see right here, as we, as we look at ladies, men, we need to recognize there is nothing in this world that compares to them. That they, they were created in such a special way that nothing that had ever been made before or would be made would be able to fill their role in life like they do. It's interesting. There's so many things we could say about how God has made that very plain. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 38 and 39, it says this, but God gives it a body as he pleases. He's talking about life. And to each seed its own body. But in verse 39, it says this, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men and another flesh of animals and another of fish and another of birds. Now, Adam was alone, and though it says the Lord noticed it and announced it, that was probably one of those things that he didn't need to tell Adam. Okay? Adam you know, was probably pretty sharp at that point, looked around, and man, <laughs> every other being, every other animal seems to have a partner, and where's mine? And he looked around, there doesn't seem to be anyone like him. But to emphasize that and also give him responsibility, he said, I want you to take all the animals and I want you to name them. Now, now sometimes when people look at Genesis and they begin to read, they think, well, this, this, is, this has got to be a little bit of a you know, poetic language here. It's got to be maybe just a, uh, a story embellished a little bit. Are, are you telling me that Adam had to name every animal on the first day? Well, we don't know exactly how this all happened, but probably what happened is we think about the earth. The earth was as big as it is today, and there were animals throughout the earth, but he was now placed in the garden. And it's quite probable that all he had to do was name the animals in the garden. Now, we don't know how big that garden was, but let's say it was a rather big garden. 
Uh, but he didn't have to do every animal, but he had to just speak to the, maybe the species of animals in that particular place in which he was living. And it names some of the animals and some of the fish and stuff like that. Well, uh, there are those who have tried to figure out, well, just how many could he do in a, in a reasonable amount of time? Well, let's say he did 10 an hour, okay? Okay, that's a Brannon, you know, that's a... You know, he started naming people off, okay? Um, and we wouldn't give him first names, but he all of a sudden he's, okay, not 10 an hour, 10 a minute. If he could do 10 a minute, you could go bam, 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 you know, a few seconds left. You don't have to do one a second. You could uh, take six seconds to figure out what you want to call that creature over there. Well, if you did that at that rate, and you did it for five hours, it'd be about close to 3,000 animals or, that you can name. And I think that's reasonable to amount that this responsibility that's recorded in the scripture actually happened. But he went through 3,000 creatures and figured out, I, I don't want to be partnered with any of them. You know, I, I need something else. And so as we, as we reflect upon that, we, we want to be very, very clear that, that as we look at ladies throughout you know, our lives, we need to see them as people we can't live without, but we also need to see there is nothing in this world comparable to them. Now, we know down, down through human history, uh, men have been abuse, abusive to women. And I just want to say that there's nothing close to part of God's plan. And, and there have been times maybe you have experienced that where you have been abused by others. That's not your fault. That, that, that's it's not your problem. It's the problem of that person who did it to you. And you might think, well, maybe somehow I deserve it. You didn't deserve it. It breaks the heart of God. Because he created women so that man would not be alone. And that we would see there's nothing comparable to you. And don't see that as your burden. It might have be your pain that you're bringing to God, but it's not your fault. It's, it's their fault. Let's look, let's look at the rest of the story. We can't live without you. There's nothing comparable to you. But we want to emphasize this. That men and women are different, but they're equal. And, and this, is, this is important for us to recognize. Uh, men and women have different roles, have different responsibilities, do different things. And that's true of every person that God places on this planet. But... But abilities have nothing to do with essence. If that, we would, we would be going through our entire lives playing the game of comparison and saying, well, I'm better than you because, or you're better than me because you're smarter than me, you're more athletic than me, you're more musical than me, or whatever talent that you don't have or you see someone else having that you don't have, you'd be saying, I'm somehow less than that person because I don't have that ability or quality. Uh, that has nothing to do with importance or value or essence. And, and so as we look at men and women, they are equal before God as far as their importance and their value. And, and we can see that even as, as women are brought into existence. Uh, reading that section again. And, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. 
And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. You know, you can even look in the English text and see uh, the equality of even um, the two uh, people that, that God has made in the image of himself, male and female. Even the words a man and woman, okay, how connected they are together. And that's true not only in the, in the English, it's true in the Hebrew. The, the word for man in the Hebrew, uh, Hebrew is ish, and the, the, the term for the woman in Hebrew is isha. There's a connectedness there. As you see even how God brought the woman into existence. He brought him into existence out of man, out of the side of a man. It says the rib. It's interesting. The word for rib is the Hebrew word tesela, and it's used about 35 times in the Old Testament. And every other time it's translated side. Okay? If you look at it in terms of the physical body, man does not have you know, one less rib than the woman. Okay? It's the same amount of ribs. The issue is the side. I like what... Matthew Henry wrote a number of years ago. He said this about the equality. He said, Woman was created from man, not out of his head to dominate him or be over him, nor out of his feet to be under him or to be trampled by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, from under his arm to be protected by him, and near his heart to be loved by him. And so, ladies, as you see what... God says, what the Bible says, not what other people have said the Bible says, that you are, you are equal with man. You might have different responsibilities and different roles, but you are equal. Uh, turning to a New Testament passage, uh, Galatians 3.28. And Galatians 3.28 speaks, we don't have the time to unpack all of it, but in Galatians 3.28, it speaks of the spiritual connectedness and the equality of people from all kinds of walks of life to be equal before God. Galatians 3.28 says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in who? Christ Jesus. You know, here he's speaking. This is, this is a Jew speaking basically to Gentiles. I want you to understand, you know, the Jewish people are the covenant people of God, and God has made promises to them. But as we think about being before God, we are equal. As you look at those who are enslaved by men and those who are free, I want you to say, as you look at how men look at men, men would say slaves are inferior to those who are free. But he said, I'm saying you are one in Christ. And he's looked at men and women. He says, I want you to understand. You were equal before God. It's interesting in this text that as you think about God using the first Adam to bring life, in some ways, and this would be an interesting kind of storyline to follow. If we look at the first Adam, it speaks about the second Adam. See, out of the first Adam, life came, physical life. Out of the second Adam, which is Christ, came spiritual life. As you think about how that hap came into being, when that first Adam brought life, he was put to sleep. When that second Adam, which is Christ, gave us life, he was put to sleep on the cross. He died. When you think about when 
Adam came awake and he was brought into the experience that God had given him, he was able to look and his bride was brought to him, Eve. When we look about the second Adam, Christ, as he was asleep and rose from the dead, there's coming a time when his bride, the bride of Christ, will be brought to him. And so from the very beginning, as you think about God creating all the worlds around us, even from the very beginning, you, you see the picture of the redemptive plan as well. That God is the giver of life. And even as Jesus was here, he said, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And as we think about God's plan for all of us, we, we, need, to, we need to wake up and see every life is important. And we should demean no one. And ladies, never see yourself as somehow less than who you are. you are. You are a specific creature made by God in His handiwork. And you are made in His image. And no one can take that from you. No one can rob you of, of how valuable you are. And then when you put on top of that that Christ died for you, you are eternally special to him. So as we think about the message of God's word to us, and men, we need to listen in, and ladies, listen up, that you complete God's creative plan. That you... We look at the life around, we could not live without you. There's nothing comparable to you. Men and women are different but equal. And then fourthly, it is so true, we were made for each other. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, it says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and to be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. You know, there's a lot of things God could have done when he saw that man was alone. He could have created another man. He, he could have just made someone identical to him. Not just like him, but identical. But in his loving, creative, sovereign, gracious plan, he created not only man, but also woman. Both male and female. And he did that, I believe, because he wanted us to understand that, that both genders reflect so much better the character and heart and image of God. Even as Bran was kind of joking earlier in the announcements between the difference between the father and the mother in most homes. Uh, most children are so glad, you know, that they have both sets that can kind of reflect both strengths. And as we think about that, that God wants us to understand that, that men and women were made for each other. It, it, it speaks of family loyalty, <laughs> marital fidelity, sexual purity, and physical intimacy. Where, where it says when man and woman become joined together, that they become one. 
The scriptures speak so powerfully about that, that, that our bodies are to be pictures of the, the unity that we can have in relationships. And so when we are in a culture that begins to speak about joining people together and beginning to diminish God's plan for that, we need to go back to the book and say God's plainly said that that man and woman were made for each other. In August of 2008, our, our current president shared his position on same-sex marriage, where he said, because I'm a Christian, I believe that marriage is for a man and a woman. And and he put it this way, he said that that God is in the mix, and so I need to honor that. Now this past week, and probably most of us have heard that, he's, he's had his position, and I was really struck by the word that he used. My, my, my position has evolved. which means it has changed. And he he made mention that he knew that some within the Christian world might have some difficulty with that. But he had consulted his friends and family, and he got support for that position. People can have any position they want, but then just don't make that a Christian position. Unless, unless your justification is you've consulted with God and you've wrestled with the Scripture. Because quite frankly, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. If you're speaking for God, it matters what He thinks. Now, now it breaks the heart of God when any part of His marriage Union is disrupted, whether it be through homosexual sin or heterosexual sin. There's no, there's no hierarchy with that. It, it would be the same thing as saying, well, you know, I, I've come out of the conclusion that it, it's all right to have multiple partners in my marriage relationship. That I, you know, I can have sexual unions with, with a variety of people. That, that would be just, of, of, the, of the opposite sex, that would be just as heinous to God as, as breaking his plan in another way. And as we think about what happens if I've been involved in that kind of experience or I've been abused by others, it's like we started from the very beginning. We go to God for help. Help to heal the wound. Help to heal the wrong perspective on how God has made us and and go to his plan or our own plan. And so as, as we look at what God has said, it's not just getting the, the answers right on the test of how it all began. It's, it's now how we're living now. And how we're convinced about what is true, what's not true. It's not about public opinion. It's not about what the next recent poll. I mean, and we're going to get complete. Thirty-one states have now had a position that that marriage should be resolved or uh, reserved for a man and a woman. But then you have another poll where it says more Americans now believe that same-sex marriage should be affirmed. Now, 
we might go a variety of different ways as a country. But what needs to remain faithful is God's people being committed to God's truth. And, and that's, that's the point by which we know whether we're following God or we're following our own agenda. The good news is that, that God made it this way for our good to experience the best that he has for us. But as we looked at last week, when we really decide what we do or what we don't do, what we believe in and what we don't believe, it all gets down to what we really want and what we are really convinced of. Are we convinced that God knows best? That God's plan is the best? And, and whether we understand all the reasons behind it, and whether we are in the minority or whether we're in the majority, we will go God's way and not our own. Let's pray. Father, this is a, this is a day in which we, wanna, we do want to celebrate ladies. And, and we want to just acknowledge the truth that you have uh, said in your word that the creation of women complete what you started. That it was, it was the last part of the, of the painting on that work of art that you brought into existence that first week of creation. And Father, for some here this morning, they're wrestling with all kinds of issues. Maybe there's family members. Maybe there are close friends, maybe within their own heart, they're struggling with all kinds of desires and habits and things that they have done or things that have been done to them. But, but the good news is that just as you brought woman into man's life for help, you brought the Savior into this world for our help. And you can heal every wound. You, you can change any path. You can bring us in alignment with your will. And, and Father, when that happens, that's, that's life lived to its fullest. Not necessarily easily, but live life to its fullest. Help each one this morning just embrace your plan by, by commitment and faith. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This next song is called Unfailing Love. Unfailing love for us, and it's nice to have it on Mother's Day because most of the time they say there's nothing like a mother's love, but um, God's love is even better than a mother.
we stand as we sing this chorus. Remember 